The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning! Welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us today for one service for 4th of July weekend. I don't know about you, but it feels like vacation. I'm so excited. One service. I am jacked up and uh, glad to have you with us today. Hope hope that you're glad to be here uh, as well. Hope you're already having uh, an awesome weekend. Uh, But here we are today. We are in week five of one of our favorite uh, sermon series, kind of a tradition here at Coastal, uh, called At the Movies. Uh, Raise your hand if you saw the movie Finding Dory. Anybody saw that movie? Great. We took, as a church, we took 119 people uh, this past uh, Wednesday to go see the movie on us, and uh, we had a great time. It's a good movie. The movie's all about Dory, of course, the blue tang fish, uh, who suffers from what? Short-term memory loss, however she says that in the movie. Um, The one thing she can remember, though, is that somehow she became separated from her very loving, very protective uh, parents as a child. So with the help of uh, Nemo and Marlin and a a whole cast of other colorful characters uh, along the way, she embarks on this uh, epic journey, this epic adventure, of course, to find her family. Now, the theme of the movie is an obvious one. And by the way, if you're new to Coastal Day, you're wondering what in the world's going on, they're talking about finding Dory. Uh, Really, the the whole idea of this series, what we do is we use just different movies that people are either seeing uh, or talking about, current or popular movies, and uh, we use them on Sunday morning just during this this series as, as a hook or a springboard to talk about spiritual truth. You know, instead of just uh, condemning culture or even imitating culture, why not uh, engage the culture and talk about some of the things they're talking about and seeing? And uh, people love the movies. And so here we are. So, And we've looked at different movies and different themes. To me, the theme of Finding Dory really is an obvious one, and you heard it uh, in the trailer, and, and that's family. Family. She is on this adventure to search for her family. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Family. You know, one of the things that universally every single person in this room has in common, you know, regardless of where you're from, regardless of your socioeconomic background, uh, regardless of your education, uh, regardless if you're Clemson or Carolina, um, everybody in this room has one thing in common, and that is just like Dory, uh, we all have this desire for, for family. You know, in fact, I would say, we, I would go a step further and say that everybody wants and desires a loving healthy, strong family. However, uh, families are difficult today. Would you agree with that? Families are hard. We are living in a a different time, in a difficult time. Uh, The world in which we are raising our kids today, it's very complicated, very difficult. Uh, Being a parent, you know, it is a full-time, difficult, demanding job. And just about the time, you know, you think you get a little bit of experience in this thing, and, and you think that you're, uh, you're getting a, a handle on it and a hang of it, uh, what happens? The, the kids are out the door. Uh, but then I'm told they come back. So um, anyway, but I believe, though, that any discussion, any talk about parenting and about family uh, really has to begin with settling a couple of core foundational issues. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Number one, you know, what's the goal of parenting? What's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, if you're in business, uh, any good business plan starts with thinking about what the end result is supposed to be. In other words, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, where are you headed? 
What, what are the goals? What are the, what are the end result that you're looking for? Well, I think the same issue has to be settled, uh, thought about, thought through as far as parenting goes. Parents, let me ask you a question. You know, what is your primary goal for your family? What's your primary goal for your children? Now, an awful lot of uh, parents would say today, well, you know, my number one goal is for my children to be happy. Well, that sounds, you know, kind of, you know, something to be, you know, to to shoot for, but I'll I'll be honest with you. Your goal has got to go deeper than that. You know, that's not enough. And some people say, well, my goal is to raise, you know, a successful child. You know, as success as the world defines it, you know, one who's accomplished in some field and, you know, makes a load of money, you know, and so one day I can live off of them. And, um, you know, or it's to raise a popular child, you know, a child who's attractive and, and uh, you know, socially sought after and marries a good-looking, you know, spouse and provides me with the most beautiful, gifted grandchildren on the planet. Um, I think the goal of parenting has got to be more than that. You know, everybody in this room, we, we say, you know, uh, most of you say that you're followers of Jesus. I think the goal of raising children has got to be raising kids who love God and who, who end up trusting Jesus as their Savior and then live according to the principles of God's Word so as to please Him. Now, you think about that. I mean, if, if your kids grow up to do that, you've, you've been successful. You know, whether or not your kid's a counselor or a custodian, a, a great athlete or a, or a garbage collector. Because ultimately, man, that's where joy is found. That's where lasting joy is found. So that's issue number one. What's the end result? What's the goal? Now, I believe that the issue number two is just as critical. Again, the first issue, the first foundational principle deals with, you know, where are we headed? What's the goal? The second issue deals with, okay, well, how are we going to get there? How are we going to accomplish that? And so if you're taking notes, it's what's your standard for parenting? You know, in other words, what, what blueprint are you going to use? How, how in the world are you going to, you know, navigate this thing called family and parenting? You know, there's so many voices out there today. You know, what voices are you going to listen to? What voices are you going to lend credibility to? Now, again, let me cut to the chase today. Uh, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then the reality, we have a blueprint. You know, God's word is our guide for parenting. It's our guide for life, right? And so it's also our guide for parenting, not the wisdom of this world. In fact, we're told over and over again in, in, in the Bible not to become so enamored with the world's wisdom. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross, you know, the, the following Jesus, this, this life like we talked about last week of, of you before me, that's foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. perishing. But to us who are being saved, It is the power of God. Now, the wisdom of God and the the philosophy of this world have become so diametrically opposed to each other that, that God's wisdom just looks like craziness to this world. It looks strange. It looks weird. And so as a mom and as a dad, you're going to face choices every day. You know, as a parent, as a family, you know, so... Are we going to accept the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of the ages, or are we going to follow God's blueprint that has withstood the ages? You know, what's it going to be? 
You know, for example, some experts will tell you to, you know, develop a, you know, a democratic household where you treat all of your children as equals. And yet the Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord. You know, there is this system of authority set up in the Bible. Some people will say, well, you know, you should never try to impose your religious values on your kids. Kids need to be completely free to choose on their own. Listen, do you let your kids choose whether or not they're going to brush their teeth? No, you know. The Bible says, parents, train up your kids in the way they should go. I love this passage in Psalm, Psalm 78. And I think in this, in this Psalm, of, of all places, you're going to discover both the, the goal of parenting, the end game, but then also the standard. Follow along as I read Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. David writes, We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. What's he talking about? Right there, he's talking about you know, telling our kids about God's word, about God's wonders. And then all of a sudden you hear the goal of parenthood. He says, so the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Now here's the specific goal. Then they would put their trust in God. And they would not forget his deeds. And they would keep his commands. I bet every mom and dad in this room wants that to be true of your kids. You know, honestly, sometimes I, I think we, uh, we complicate this thing way too much. And, and we confuse parenting way too much. Let me, let me get it. And I haven't, you know, I haven't been a parent for a long, long time, 25 years. Let me give you the best parenting advice I could give you. Because again, I think it's a universal heart desire within all of us. We want a strong family. We want a loving family. Here's the best advice I can give you. To be a great parent, treat your kids the way God treats you. Treat your children the way God treats you. That's it. That's the best advice I can give a parent. That the way God treats you is the way you ought to treat your children. And so today, here's what we're going to do, really simply. I want us to talk about and look at what God is like. And then we're going to draw some applications from that uh, for parenting, for children, for family. So number one, if you're taking notes, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, then I've got to understand my kids. I need to understand them. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how they're formed. Now, what's he talking about there? What's he saying is that God knows what makes you tick. He's aware of your makeup. He's aware of your personality. He, he understands it. You know, the number one complaint that typically kids have against their parents is, my mom, my dad, they just don't what? understand me understand me look at this next verse homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and what understanding he's saying man you you got to study your kids you got to become a student of your children uh you know we need to know what makes them the way they are every single child has a very unique you know bent towards something uh they, they have a unique 
personality and a unique temperament. Would you agree with that? I mean, they're all different. They're all unique. In fact, how many of you this morning, raise your hand if either you have more than one child or you grew up in a home with more than one child. You're, you're not an only child, okay? Now, how many of you, let me ask you, are, are all the kids all alike? Absolutely not, are they? No way. I mean, they are as different as night and day, even though they're from the same family. Now, let me ask you, can you motivate your, all your children the exact same way? No, absolutely not. Let me ask you, do, do your children have the same strengths, the same weaknesses, the same talents and abilities? Absolutely not. You know this. Then, li- listen to me. Don't try to fit them into the same mold. You know, you, you, you got to parent your kids differently. Everyone is different. You know, again, what's the proof of understanding? Look at this, Proverbs 14, 29. A man of understanding has what? Patience. You know, the proof that you understand your kids is that you learn to be patient with them. When you understand them, when you understand who they are and what they're all about, then you become a little bit more patient with them. You know where they're coming from. So you understand them. Because God understands you. He knows your personality. He knows your bent. He knows, you know, where you're coming from. So not only should I understand my kids if I want to be like God, number two, I must accept them. I must accept them. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Anybody perfect? Okay, for those that raise your hand, you're crazy. You can leave now, okay? Because uh, there are no perfect people allowed here at Coastal, right? Now, guess what? Not only are there are no perfect people, are you ready for this? There are no perfect parents. No perfect children. Now, you're not perfect, so let me ask you a theological question. Does God accept you? He does. In fact, he accepts you just the way you are. That's called grace. Now, we have a tendency, though, to reject people who aren't like us. And even as parents, if we're honest, sometimes I think we reject our children when they mess up. And what I mean by that, when they don't look the way we look, when they don't dress the way we want them to dress, when they don't meet our standards, as if you're the standard. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about disobedience. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about just preference. The Bible says that children are a gift from God. I think we know that, and we we, we can say that and process that a little bit. But let me ask you, have you accepted that gift? Have you accepted your kid the way God made them to be? You know, God chose you to have your child. He put them in your family. And he chose them with all of their preferences. Just for you. The Bible says this in Romans 15, 7. Accept one another just as who? Christ has accepted you. Man, you need to think of your kids as a gift from God and stop trying to make them into somebody they're not and and, and someone like you. We tend to send out signals, though, as parents, okay? And this this is what the signals say. You need to be like me. You need to be interested in the things that I'm interested in. You need to do as good in school as I did. Or worse yet, you need to do what? Better. You need to be as athletic as I was. You need to, you know, whatever. You know what that is? Man, that's a lack of, of appreciation for the way that God created this gift. That's a lack of recognition. And pretty soon, you know what you're saying? This is what you're saying to your child. And this is what your child is beginning to think. 
If I want to be accepted by my parents, I can't be myself. And the only way I get accepted in this family is by my performance. And let me tell you something, that's tragic. And that's hurting a lot of families today. And it's breaking the heart of a lot of kids. So, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I need to understand my kids. I need to accept them the way they were created, their preferences, the way they are. And then number three, I got to discipline my kids. Now I know the, the, the students and the children here are like, Pastor Chris, you were doing so good up until right now. What have you done? And the parents are going, praise Jesus, thank you. No, 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 no. Let's talk about this honestly and openly. Hebrews 12, 6, listen to this. The Lord what? Disciplines those whom he loves. You know, like it or not, if we're going to be like God, if we're going to treat our children the way God treats us, God, the, the word of God says that his discipline, his correction, is actually a sign of, of his great, great love for us. In fact, the Bible says that if you don't discipline your kids, a couple of things are true about you as a parent, as a human being. You ready for this? Number one, it proves that you really don't love your kids. Proverbs 13, 24 says, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. That's pretty strong. You know, in other words, if you just let your kids get away with anything, it just shows you really don't care about them. And then the other thing that shows is that if you don't discipline your kids, if you fail to discipline and correct them, you are actually participating in their destruction. You, right along with them. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them what? Destroy themselves. You're doing that. Now, let's talk about it for a second. Because there is a right way and a wrong way, I think, to discipline. And, and, and again, what you're going to learn as a parent is that what works with one kid might not work with another. Now, listen to me. But that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse for you as a mom or dad to give up, for you to fail to do what God has entrusted you to do and empowered you to do. Now, discipline is a process. It is a journey, okay? And it changes and it develops as your kids grow up, as they change, as they develop. Let's break it down a little bit, okay? Early on, and I mean early, early on, when your kids are little, discipline is all about correcting that selfish nature, okay? That every kid, as beautiful and as precious you think your child is, every kid has a selfish nature. You don't have to teach your kids how to throw a temper tantrum, okay? You never had to do that. You never had to teach your kid to be selfish. So during the earlier stage of their life, this is that correcting stage. And here's what they discover. That obedience is good. That's what a little kid needs to discover. That obedience is good and disobedience has consequences. Now, during this young, you know, early stage of life, okay, discipline, listen to this, parents, should be calm, it should be immediate, it should be shared between husband and wife. And you ready for this? Listen to this. It should be well thought out, okay? Yelling is not discipline. It's not. That's a lazy parent. 
It just is. Listen to me. Swatting your kids down the aisle of Walmart, that is not discipline. I want to swat you when I see that. Okay, you ready for this one though? Reasoning with a four-year-old is also not discipline. Okay, so in the correcting stage, it's all about obedience is good. Discipline has consequence. That's early on. The next stage, okay? Now, typically, this is usually, and again, this is different for different kids, but let's say around, you know, early elementary school, maybe from like five and six-year-old to like 11, you know, like right before they get into middle school. You would call this, the first stage is the correcting stage. This is the training stage. This is where, this is, you know, in the first stage, when you tell your kid what to do, and uh, they say something like, why, why? Why? You know what it's okay to say at at that young age? Because I said so, that's why. Now, when they get a little older, and you tell them what to do, and they say, why? This is not where you say, because I said so. Now, don't get me wrong. They still need to obey, because you said so. But it's got to be at this stage of life You know what begins to happen? You begin to give them more information. You begin to add more information, more details, because this is when you are trying to train them toward obedience. You see, our goal as a parent is to stimulate within your child's heart a desire to do right things, a want to, a desire to. You know, in in the training stage, you begin to, to reach a time in your life where you want to obey, where you want to obey, not out of a fear of punishment, but out of love, out of respect, out of understanding. And then, if that shift doesn't happen between the correcting stage and the training stage, you ready for this? You're going to be in for a world of hurt in the teenage years. They're going to be tough. And again, it's got to be hands-on, a lot of time, a lot of information, some rules, some correction. But as your children grow, you know what has got to happen? There's got to be less and less of that. Listen to me. If you are still relying on threats of punishment for your teenager, man, you're, you're in for a long battle. The motive has got to shift. It's got to shift from, a, you know, from external motives to internal motives. It's a hard thing. You know, in other words, a kid's got to get to the point where they realize, you know what, I want to obey. Because out of, out of love, out of respect. Colossians 3, 20 and 21, listen to this. You children, you must always obey your parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. But then listen to this part. Fathers, dads, and we could also say moms, parents, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they're going to become discouraged. They're going to quit trying. They're going to give up. You see, discipline in, t- in the teen years, really it should all be about coaching. Coaching. That's really the next stage. You have moved from you know, the correcting stage to the training stage. And now the reality is you're just a coach. You're coaching. You know, some of the greatest frustrations in life, though, listen to this is when parents treat preschoolers like they're teenagers. And when they try to treat a teenager like they're a preschooler. You can't do that. 
You've got to treat them differently in different stages. Now, what's the goal of a parent in the coaching stage? You know what it is? Man, it's just to encourage them. To encourage them to make right choices. Now, at this stage, you really can't do a lot of disciplining anymore and punishing really is not going to work any, any longer. That's why you'd better be doing that early. And, and what you do when they're teenagers is you just kind of coach them in the right direction. Now, think about it for a second. Think about that analogy, that illustration. What's a coach do? Well, you know, a coach stands on the sidelines. You know, they call a lot of the plays, but he doesn't go out on the field and do what? He doesn't execute the play. Now, sometimes the players run the play to perfection, right? And they score a touchdown, everybody's happy, everything's great. But sometimes they fumble the ball. Now, when, when they fumble the ball, does the coach quit coaching? Does the coach give up? Absolutely not. Well, parents, you know, every so often you might need to call a timeout. You know, maybe you huddle up together, you know, you, you talk things over. Maybe you call a different play. But what I'm saying is you can't get out on the field, though. You know, you, you are entrusting them and encouraging them to run the play. In fact, every teenager needs to discover that there are consequences for their choices, right? I mean, that, that's really what, they're, what they've got to discover on their own as a teenager. You know, now, students, let me ask all the students that are here. I know it's the summer, but do you remember any of Newton's laws of physics? Right, right? One of the laws is for every action, there's an opposite and equal what? Reaction. Man, they're so smart. And look at that. That's pretty impressive. You can bank on that though, right? I mean, that, that's the truth. You can also bank, listen to this, on God's moral law. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. God is not going to be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, students... Do you remember when you were little and life was so easy and mom and dad took care of everything? They even laid out your cute little clothes for you and made your food and everything was so easy and great. They took care of everything. But now life is different. And life is full of your own choices. And what I'm trying to say is that the Bible makes it clear that for every choice you make, for every decision that you make, there are going to be consequences. And the sooner you learn that, you know, the smarter and the more mature you're going to be. And parents, the quicker you let your kids learn that, you know, that truth, the better life is going to be for them. Students, you need to know that the decisions that you're making right now today will affect the story that you're going to tell tomorrow with your life. So, let's love our kids like God loves us. Let's understand them. Let's accept them. Let's discipline them according to the stage of life they're in. And by the way, God does that for you, doesn't he? You go through seasons of life. Number four, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father... I need to express love to my kids. I need to express love to my children. Man, the Bible is just full of example after example of God's great, great love for us. Um, every one of you, if you're a parent, I know you love your kids. You do. But 
you've got to learn that to be a great parent, you've got to learn to express that love in ways that they understand. In fact, in ways that they need. And each one of your kids are different, right? And so you've got to express your love to them in different ways, and you've got to figure that out. Let me give you just some, at least three ways. And I would say these are probably three universal ways that in general kids understand love. There's no doubt they all understand these differently. But number one, I think it's through just affection. Affection, I'm talking about just physical, appropriate physical contact. Hugs, kisses, pats on the back, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and yet some of you are here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, but Pastor Chris, you know, I just didn't grow up in a very expressive family. You know, my family's not like that. You know what? Who cares? It's not about you. You know, it's about your kids and what they need. And guess what? You can learn it. The Bible says in Psalm 145, 9, listen to this. The Lord has compassion, has great love on all that he has made. He's affectionate toward us. You know, studies have shown so sadly that dads, fathers, we are one-sixth as affectionate to our kids as moms are. Man, that's pitiful. And if there's anything that I would say to dads here today, have the courage to hug your kids. You know, don't, don't be afraid to show affection. Show them that you, that you care. In fact, here's a little homework assignment for all of you today as moms and dads. Go home sometime today and hug your kids. I mean, just give a loving, appropriate touch to every single member of your family. Everyone. Affection. Secondly, affirmation. Affirmation. What I'm talking about here is the way that you speak to your kids, what you say to your kids. Psalm 145, 14, the Lord upholds and uplifts those who are down. You are shaping your kids today by the way you talk to them, what you say to them. So build them up, encourage them, catch them doing something good, praise them for it. You know what? Everybody affirms them when they get straight A's. Everybody affirms you, you know, when you hit the home run, when, when you win, when you score. And today, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, everybody gets a trophy, you know, whatever. But, you know what? What about when your kids try and they work really hard and they lose and they fail? You know what? That's when they need your affirmation. That's when they need your encouragement. Thirdly, they need your attention. I think that's probably the, uh, the number one way that kids sense that they're loved. Just giving them your focused attention. Giving them your eyes and your ears. Just listening to them. And the reality is, maybe those times of you listening to them gets less and less as they get older. But I guarantee you, if you give them your focused attention when they do speak, They'll keep coming back. They'll keep coming back. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to us when we call. What does that mean? He pays attention to us, right? That's how he loves you. You know, I think one of the missing links in so many families today is just time together. It's just time together. If there's anything that, that ticks me off today when I hear parents say this, you know, that, that it's quality time. It's that phrase, quality time. You know what quality time is? Quality time is a cop-out for overcommitment. That's what it is. You use that phrase quality time around me, I'm going to punch you in the throat, okay? Wake up. It just, it, it, it's nonsense. Quality time. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, 
And then finally, number five, if you want to be a great dad, a great mom, you want to have a great family, and you want to be a little bit like God and how he loves us, number five, I've got to be consistent with my kids. I need to be consistent. Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in some of his ways. Doesn't say that, does it? All. Man, if God is anything, he is faithful. He is consistent. Now, if you've got kids at home, your house is bugged. It is, man. Little ears are picking up every single thing you say and everything you do. And like it or not, you're under 24-hour surveillance. You are teaching. You say, Pastor I don't have the gift of teaching. Yes, you do. You're a parent. You're a teacher. You're teaching all the time. You are never off the record. Your kids are watching you. They're watching how you talk on the phone. They're, They're watching how you deal with other people. How you speak to that cashier at Walmart. They're listening how you... How you treat your spouse. How you love them. You see, so much more in your home is being caught than being taught. You know, verbally. It's just they're, they're watching you. Proverbs 27 says, it is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. Yeah, how do you demonstrate honesty? Well, first of all, you don't imply perfection. Okay, you admit it when you're wrong. You know, sometimes you need to do that as a parent, as a child. I mean, as a parent to your child, you need to go to them sometimes and say, listen, you know what? I'm sorry, I was wrong. I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing. Some of the, the greatest, uh, you know, times of growth in, in my relationship with both of my kids is when I just admitted I blew it. You know, I said the wrong thing, I, I, I did the wrong thing, I apologize. So that, that's one way that you, uh, that you demonstrate honesty, but probably most importantly, You just keep your promises. You keep your promises. Look at this last verse. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. You know, one of the greatest causes of bitterness today in most families, and I'd say those of you who are here today and even the subject of family brings great pain in your life. Um, One of the greatest causes of bitterness really is broken promises. And a lot of you have experienced that. Moms, dads, be very careful about the promises you make to your kids. Because listen, um, if you're not trustworthy, and in fact, let me go a step further. If you're not trustworthy and you bring your children to church, which is great, and you, I mean, this is, this is the place to be, there's no doubt. But like it or not, the reality is sometimes they go, well, If my father is not trustworthy, what does that say about my heavenly father? And I don't want anything to do with him. Keep your promises. You know, maybe you're here today and um, you're frustrated as a parent. And you're having a a lot of difficulty and pain. And you say, you know what, my my kid is just not, not going in the way that I want him to be going. And and uh, you feel like a total failure. Well, I also want to remind you that our Heavenly Father is also a forgiving Father. You know, admit it. Admit your mistakes to Him. 
Tell him you've blown it. Receive forgiveness. I mean, just go to him and say, God, I admit it. I've not been the mom. I've not been the dad that I ought to be or that I want to be. And I need your help. And I need your power. And I need your forgiveness. You know, maybe you need to plan a time of uh, reconciliation with the whole family, with your children. Maybe you need to have a little family get-together, a little family conference. And you say, you know what? I've blown it. And I apologize. I've not done what I ought to do. And I'm going to do my best to change. Man, that'll mean more to your kids. And, and you ask them for your forgiveness. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, some of you are here today and you are brand new parents. And you're scared to death. And you ought to be. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway, um, no, let me say this. Um, again, I think... Uh, I think we complicate it way, way too much. You know, just walk out of here today with this one thought. I need to treat my kids the way God treats me. He understands me. He accepts me. He disciplines me. You know, he, uh, he loves me. And he's faithful. He keeps his promises. If every one of us in this room is mom and dad, if we could do that, a little bit better job of that, we're going to be okay. And uh, let, me, let me say this to the students that are here. No parent is perfect. But neither are you. And if you have parents that are doing their best to love you, to uh, love you the way God has loved them, be very, very grateful. It is a wonderful, wonderful heritage to have parents that love you and love the Lord. So be grateful. Every single person in this room, you have a desire in your heart for a loving family. You know where that came from? That came from your Heavenly Father. And you know what? you can be a part of his family. We're all created into his image. We were all made in his likeness. But you get adopted into his forever family through faith in Christ. And you know what? Like parenting is not easy and we need all the help and power we can get. But you know what? You can get that today by becoming a part of God's forever family. And it is as simple and as beautiful as a prayer. It's expressing your desire to God to come home. You know, the other interesting thing about that movie, Finding Dory, is that this, this, the whole movie basically is a search. And some of you have been searching your whole life for love and acceptance and a home. You know what? God put that there. He put that in your heart. And he wants you to come home. And... It's not as long and as hard of a trip home as you might think it is. It's just one step. It's just you turning toward him. And you know what? He will run to you. He will make up the distance. And you don't have to clean up your act before you come home. He loves you just the way you are. But then he loves you too much to leave you that way. 
But here's the good news. He does the transformation. It's not about us trying to, you know, work really hard and to appease a, an unpleasable parent. It's that he gives us the grace and the power and the beauty of, of change. So if you're ready to come home, you can do that today. What, what are you waiting on? You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.